is to come. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they all saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning we celebrate Trinity Sunday. This first... Sunday after Pentecost each year. And uh, it always stirs up kind of happy memories. Uh, my first preaching mass as a deacon was on Trinity Sunday. It's, it always kind of falls at this time of ordinations. And it's a time to reflect on, you know, really what at the core we believe about God. Like what, at the core, we believe about God. Because oftentimes we use language about God, or the word we use for God is God. It's more common for people to talk about God than the Father. Sometimes it's more common or more comfortable for us to talk about God than Jesus. And for many, it's way more comfortable to talk about God than the Holy Spirit. So when we say God, it's just kind of this impersonal, it can also be like this impersonal kind of God being. Like the first mover of the universe. Sometimes we can slip into deism where we just kind of believe God created the world and he set things in motion and then he kind of doesn't care. Or he created the world and he's watching us, but he doesn't really interact with us. We 
we can fall into believing that God is sort of a master and we're slaves in the most negative sense of that. But the fact that we believe that God is a trinity, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that he's always been the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's always been a life of communion and a life of love. The fact that we believe that means that being created in his image, that we're also created for communion and we're created for love. If God was a mono-being that just sort of created the universe, then being created in his image would mean we're created for isolation or that we should be able to live our lives in solitude, cut off from relationship. In fact, in our modern world, many people do live their lives in solitude and cut off from relationship. And so this truth of being created in the image of the Trinity is all the more important now. Because the fact that we're created for a relationship isn't so obvious anymore. The Japanese have this word, hikikomori. And it's used to describe young people in Japan who basically like get up, go to work, go back to like a one-room apartment and play video games for the rest of the time that they're awake. And then they get up and they go to work again. They tend not to be able to talk to anybody. They work kind of in isolation online. They order all their food online. They just like stay in front of screens. And they're developing programs to try to reintegrate them into community and relationship. And in pockets of you know, our own world here in the United States, we have people that really live their lives the same way. Pope Benedict XVI, when he talks about being created in the image of God, he says, the real God is by his very nature entirely being for, which is the Father who's for the Son, being from the Son who knows he's from the Father, and being with the Holy Spirit is with the Father and the Son, the bond of love between them. Man, for his part, is God's image precisely insofar as the from, with, and for constitute the fundamental anthropological pattern. So we're created for love, and we're created in this pattern of love, which consists in being from another, or being a son or a daughter, who entrusts ourselves to our, to our parents. Then as we get older, we learn to be with others, And that happens in sibling relationships, and it happens in friendships, and eventually those friendships can become marriages so that two people can become for another, 
as mothers and fathers. And so being created for love means that we're created to be beloved sons and daughters first. Then to be in horizontal relationship, to be in friendships, marriages, relationships as brothers and sisters. And ultimately we're created for motherhood and fatherhood. And in a world that emphasizes individualism so much, that emphasizes isolation so much, where there's so much loneliness, this truth that we're created for a relationship needs to be proclaimed evermore. It needs to be proclaimed all the more. In the Gospel reading, Jesus sends out the Disciples, and this is like the culmination of their relationship with them. They all meet after his resurrection. And he says to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of this communion and love that has existed from all time. So that they learn to live in it. And this is the culmination of the life of love with our Lord for the disciples who first started to follow him and receive everything from him. And so this pattern of love also exists in the life of the disciples who, from the beginning, were chosen by Jesus to learn from him, sort of as his beloved sons. They learn to live in communion with one another, to be with one another, and then he sends them out to be for the world. In the second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, he says, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. You know, given those three kinds of relationships, to love as a child, to love as a friend or a spouse, to love as a parent, to love as a child of God is the most fundamental. It's the one that we need to work on more and more and more each day. To truly entrust our hearts, to hand our hearts over to our Lord, to surrender to our Lord, to surrender to his love for us, And St. Paul points out that it is a surrender to love. It's not a surrender to slavery. You did not receive a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption. And living these lives of communion, living a life of communion, the most common or most difficult thing for most of us is to actually live out of that spirit of adoption. 
because we still oftentimes we live out of that spirit of fear. We keep ourselves on track because we're afraid of falling into sin. Sometimes a parent's greatest motivation for protecting their children is fear of the world. And fear is the lowest motivator. It's the motivator with the least amount of power. It's the motivator that always leads us to fall back into sin. And rather than living out of fear, losing heaven, fear of sin, St. Paul's calling us to live from this place of love, this place of adoption, this place of being beloved sons and daughters of the Father. All of us, when we were baptized, took on the identity of beloved son and daughter through being united with Jesus. We came to share in that identity. And knowing that we belong to him is that first step in living out our own vocations to love. And when we find ourselves in isolation, when we find ourselves living out of that spirit of fear, the place that we need to go is deeper into the heart of Jesus. deeper into the heart of Jesus. And it's this sacred heart of Jesus that reveals to us that at the very same time he suffers with us because of our sin. And yet his heart burns with this fire of divine love. Our Lord looks at us with perfect compassion and at the same time has this zeal to bring us more deeply into union with him. And it's this deeper reflection on our Lord's love and our Lord's mercy for us in our lives that gives us the confidence to live out of that identity as beloved sons and daughters. And as that identity is restored in us, the more that we come to know ourselves as children of God, we find ourselves being drawn closer in communion with each other, And then we're able to love as mothers and fathers, or spiritual fathers, in a much more profound way, in a way that's more configured to the love of Christ who gave his life for us.
And so on this Trinity Sunday, let us give thanks and praise and glory to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pray for the grace to live out of that identity, to learn to love well. as sons and daughters, as siblings, friends, a community, and as mothers and fathers, or spiritual mothers and fathers. So that each person of the Trinity may be glorified in and through our daily lives. And that we may be always ready to fulfill our Lord's great commission that he speaks to us as well. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.